Now we're going to get into the Word of God. How long it's going to be, I'll, I'll do my best to trim it down, I suppose. Um, but let's pray as we get into this. God in heaven, we thank you for your, your love and your grace and your mercy, um, your compassion toward us, your faithfulness, your patience with us. We thank you for your, your life that you've given us. And Lord, we just wanted to testify of your goodness today. We thank you for the way that you're moving in the lives of your people. And Lord, I pray that you move mightily through us, through our church, and in our community, that more people are saved by the good news. Uh, Lord, that they feel like this is an extension of heaven as a family, that it's something they want. And Lord, we pray you continue to redeem people, deliver them from addictions and sins, whatever it may be. Lord, help us to be the disciples you've called us to be in Christ's name. Amen. As we begin today, I, uh, I had a quote here, and I come across, uh, you know, I come with, I have quotes all the time that I share, uh, theological quotes, and I usually want to give a little history of the person behind the quote. I don't want to just, you know, say, hey, so-and-so said this. Um, but this is William Colbertson. He began serving as the dean of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, which Moody, D.L. Moody had begun years ago. He became the dean in 1942, and six years later, he became the president of the university. Uh, under his leadership, the school improved and grew. Uh, the day school grew to over a thousand people, young people learning about God. Five major buildings were built there on the campus. Um, much more was added. It's growing. New ministry text. Uh, new courses were added at this time. Uh, flying planes and radio was part of missionary work, and they were learning how to do that here at the Moody Bible Institute. He was a highly sought-after conference speaker around the world, and later he was appointed the school's first chancellor. He says this. I have it here. It is important to start right, but it's imperative to end well. The thing here is that we can have a good start, but as Christians, it is imperative that we finish the race, that we finish well. We know many Christians, this is a message for us, we know many Christians. We've known many people who have started off right. Uh, they prayed at the altar. They began to believe maybe in church years ago, uh, but something pulled them away. Uh, something tripped them up along the way. And here it is, as Christ followers in the church, we need a good start, a solid foundation, but it is imperative that we end well as Christians. Uh, we cannot give up the last few yards of the race. Um, in Arkansas, they would say that the Razorbacks, and, and that was their team, if you drove through Arkansas, you see this, this pig on sides of mountains and walls all over the place. Woo, Razorbacks, woo, pig suey. That's what they loved. That was their thing. But they would say that the Razorbacks was not a second-half team. They started off really good in the football um, season, and they would win the first half dominating. In the second half, they would lose. And as Christians, as a church, we cannot lose the second half. 
Uh, we cannot give up in the last quarter of the game. There's much involved um, that sets up the end for us, for us to end well. But we have to do, as, as Christ followers, as the church, we have to do what it takes to do the long run. And we have to pace ourselves. We have to have a passion for God. We have to be patient ourselves if we want to be prepared to continue this race. And our beloved Apostle Paul talks about this. And so we have uh, some scripture here, part of what Mary has already read. But before we do, there's something that we've been reciting together. And I love to do this together. So repeat after me, all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful. To teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Amen. Let's get into the Word of God here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we are honing in on 6 through 8, uh, verses 6 through 8. Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. Listen to what he says. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept this thing. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only Paul, listen, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Um, the appearing here, uh, epiphany, is the word we use for the Christmas season that Christ has appeared in the world. We love His appearing because He's going to appear again. Amen? Alright, the Word of God to us. So last week we dealt with the spirit of perseverance. The spirit to overcome, to press on, that we might win the prize. Uh, Christ has called us and saved us but there's a prize to be won, church. Uh, I like to win. I know you like to win. We should want to win the crown. Now, the crown is not the gift. The gift is salvation. The prize is something that we receive in the presence of Christ if we have run the race, if we finish the course, if we are seeking to win the prize. And Paul tells us that he pressed on. And He wants us to press on for the prize. That we should want to win the prize too. That we don't give up. That we keep pressing on to win. God also wants us, church, to finish the race. To not bow out. To not give up. To not stumble right before the finish line. And for us to finish the race, we have to start the race. We have to, to jump right in. And the starting point, church, is faith. And I want you to see this here again. What does Paul say? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So here Paul said that he kept it. How did he, how did he keep the faith? Um, but first, I'm going to talk about, before we can keep the faith, how did we actually get faith? Where does faith come from? Uh, the Bible actually tells us uh, what faith is, and Hebrews actually shows... I want you to see this in Hebrews. This is such a fascinating verse. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So as you're hoping in Christ, there's a spiritual assurance that this is real. 
that it's not a leap in the dark. Actually, following Jesus Christ is a leap in the light. The conviction of things not seen. I have not seen heaven yet. Yet I have this deep conviction of these things spiritually that God has given me these things. So what is faith? It is assurance. It is conviction. It is something that I have deep in my, my soul. But where does it come from? And Paul says this, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. Well, faith doesn't just magically happen. We have to hear the message. Actually, the whole text there says there must be a messenger that goes out. How can they hear unless someone goes to tell them the message of Jesus Christ and all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Where does faith come from? It comes from hearing the Word of God. You heard the Word. You believed it. You've trusted in Jesus Christ. So faith, actually, the, the word, it means to have a strong conviction of the truth of anything for that matter. Belief, the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things. I'm doing something new, so stay with me. I'm trying to use this little magic wand today. Um, that faith, that Christ is the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. It is relating, when we talk about faith as Christians, it is relating to Christ. To trust in, rely upon, and cling to. If you have that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ, you have faith. To trust in, rely upon, and cling to. So the starting point in this race is faith. Um, in trusting who Christ really is, that He died for my sins, that He is God, that He rose again to give us eternal life. We rely on God. We cling to Him. We pursue Him. We follow Him. We build our relationship with Him. And this puts us on the right path. This puts us on the right course. And once you're on the right course, church, then you have to keep it. I have faith. Now I have to keep this faith. I heard a, a wonderful message years ago of a pastor. And he's talking about what Paul says when he kept the faith. What does that really mean? It doesn't mean that he kind of held on to it and kept it in his hand. It's a nautical term. Like you keep a course at sea. And storms can hit you, they can blow you around, but you're maintaining this course by the compass you have, by the fixed stars, uh, by the winds, and pursuing the right direction. You can kind of get blown left to right all over, up and down in the waves, but you keep... The course. So when Paul says this, I have kept it. Yes, I've been hit by storms. Yes, it's been up and down and all over. But I keep pursuing Christ. I have kept the faith. We have to navigate through all kinds of challenges as Christians. But we can, in fact, keep the faith. And we press on to keep the course. Keeping the faith means staying on the course and keeping the course. The second thing I want you to see today, church is that failure is real and can happen. Again, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Many have kept the faith. And many have failed and fallen away. However, those who keep the faith may fail, but they get up again. Now, this is the big difference I shared with the King Saul and King David. King Saul sinned rejected God's plan, and never repented. 
King David, the man after God's own heart, why is he a man after God's own heart? Because he maintained the relationship with God. He sinned a horrible sin. He failed, but he confessed his sin and made things right. He listened to the prophet that said, you are the man who sinned. And actually, if you track all these we believe in, the people of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11, they all failed along the way. But they got back up and they kept pursuing Jesus Christ. The Lord forgives, He heals, and He helps. Proverbs 24, 6 says, 16 says this, For the righteous fall seven times and rises again. I love that. But the wicked stumble uh, in times of calamity. They stay there. Watch the wicked. They fall into sin in every trap and they stay in that cycle. The believer, the one who wants to keep the faith, to fight the good fight, pursues Jesus. And even if they stumble, even if they fall, they are getting back up again. Failure is real. Uh, we are in this together because we have failed and we have needed Jesus Christ's salvation. He is the only one who can cleanse us from sin. God is the only one who provides forgiveness. Now I want you to know um, that failure can help you. I watch the failure of people to watch what they do after the fact. Failure is a great teacher. And there's all kinds of failure. There's moral failure, but there's general failure that we all have. You can, you can fail. There are all kinds of types of failure. Uh, general failure. You can start off in a business. You can start your own business, pull out a business loan, and your business could fail. It might not even be your fault. It could be the economy. It could be a bad location. You, you had good employees. You thought everything was going to be good. And the business failed. And then you can learn from that. You can fail a test. What did you do to prepare for the test? Did you, did you test well? Did you, did you prepare well? You failed the test. What can I learn from this? I had probably the worst grade I've had in years last week. I get mad at myself. Like, I want an A. When I was in, high, when I was in middle school, I had Ds. And I used to tell my dad, my dad would take our report card, and what in the world? A D? I said, it's D for Derek. <laughs> And my dad was like, he's not having that. Um, and I used to just want to get by, you know. And, uh, and then I started making better grades. I wanted to learn when you're studying for theology. And I want an A. And then I get a B. And I was like, ah, these are bad. I don't want to B. I made a C last week. I was mad about it. But I realized I had not studied the right way for this test. And then I went back and prepared better and made a better grade. You can learn from your failures, general failings. But there's also moral failings. If you have failed morally, if you've sinned against God and someone else, God extends forgiveness to you. So you have to decide, do I continue down this path or do I learn from what I did wrong? My dad, uh, when I was a senior in high school, had an affair with another, with another woman, cheated on my mom devastated the family. Uh, and I watched that. I watched how my dad started off strong. He had us in church. I watched him drift. I watched these things from a distance as a son, as a child. And I watched this thing happen. And I was determined to learn from those things. I don't want those things to happen to me and my family. Now, my dad, when I share that, I share what has happened is bad. My dad repented and changed, and he is a minister today. But the thing is, is that we can learn from our failings 
even if they are moral failings. And to be clear, all have failed, all have fallen short of the glory of God, all have sinned. When we come to church, it's not that well, the, the church people are, are, are better than us. They are forgiven trying to pursue Jesus Christ. And we want new people to be forgiven and experience the salvation of Jesus Christ. But all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Read throughout the Bible. Time and time again, people who were faithful failed. They repented and God cleansed them and gave them a fresh start. One of the New Testament apostles denied Jesus Christ. Who wants to be remembered for denying Jesus Christ? But he comes back, he serves, he is forgiven. Peter it becomes a, 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 a pillar in the New Testament church. Though he denied Christ, we remember that he was crucified for Christ, that he was willing to die for Jesus. If you've trusted in Christ, you have been forgiven. And even if you have believed and fallen to sin, you can confess your sins Christ is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you, that you may be made spiritually clean. But how do I keep from doing it again is the question. And here it is. We have to fight. Paul didn't say, I just sailed along. Paul didn't say, you know, I did the bare minimal. He said, I fought. I fought the good fight. Now, how can we fight the good fight? I have a few things here. Um, one, confess to Jesus that He is Lord and confess your sins. What we do today, and many people do this, is that they sin and they try to hide it. And they tuck it under. And God can't forgive it and heal you and cleanse you if you don't confess it to Him. So how do I keep from doing this stuff again? How do I keep from failing again? We confess our sins to Him. Second, learn from your past failures. In fact, repent from them. If you repent, metanoia, and have a change of mind and turn away, there's no going back. You've turned from that and you've turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. The third thing here, keeping your relationship with Christ through prayer. I was sharing this with somebody. You can't pick up this phone and stumble upon porn if you're in prayer. At nighttime when you're on media, you know, this is how people go to sleep. They stare at their phone until they get tired. And then things are on your phone that sh you shouldn't be looking at. But if you're spending time in prayer, you don't just stumble into porn. Maintain that relationship with God by staying in prayer. Four, be in the Word and keep it. Study the Word. Pray over the Word. Learn the Word. Internalize the Word and keep it. I shared this earlier. The Great Commission is to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. He didn't say go and teach them everything I commanded. He said teach them to observe it, to keep it. So we believe, we follow, we study the Word, we trust in the Word, we keep the Word. I always encourage having a mentor. Have somebody you can look up to, have someone you can share with, have someone that can give you guidance in your life and, and that can see your failings and shortcomings to say, hey, you're drifting, you're going the wrong direction, you're hanging out with someone you shouldn't hang out with, you're going into a situation you shouldn't go into. Uh, stay committed to the body of Christ. Every time we do testimonies, um, for years I've done membership classes. People have come in, we talk about what it means to be a member, and I have everyone go around and share their testimony. And every one of the testimonies is always related to the church. 
Somebody from the church invited me to Christ. Somebody from the church reached out to me. Somebody that was my neighbor that was a part of a church, a minister to me. We stay connected to the body of Christ. It is our relationship with God and one another. We love each other. We mourn together. We, we weep together. We rejoice together. We celebrate God together. It is the family of God as we're growing together. Finally, I have this. Walk with wise people. I don't know what it is today that people want to hang out with stupid people. Hey, man, you want to try this? We're going to go get a case and get a dirt bike and jump a hill. I don't know if that works. And, and people are hanging out with people that do stupid stuff. Just tell them that's not a good idea, and I don't want to break a leg. You know, I'm not... Just recognize if somebody is wise versus completely stupid. I'm not going down that path. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to do that. I want to do what God has called me to do. That somebody's going to share wisdom into your life. This is what you need to do, much like saying the mentor. Now, by keeping the faith, we do not budge in what has passed down. I don't know if I have this verse here. Yeah, I want to share it with you. Um, there's a movement against the church today and church doctrine. There's always questions about, you know, I thought we want to do new things. Paul tells us we believe what has been passed down. We still baptize. It's been passed down. We still do communion. It's been passed down. The teachings of the apostles have been passed down. It, if it's not from the authoritative word, from the apostolic witness, the apostles who told us these things, then it's made up. And this is what Paul tells us here. So then, brothers, stand firm. Hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by spoken word or by letter. That we hold fast, we stand firm in these things. When he says traditions here, he doesn't need made up traditions of mankind. He means the traditions of the holy things of God that have been passed down for generations. These are the things we believe and we do not budge in these things. We keep going in the right direction. And finally, how do we finish the race? In closing, again, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Our Lord wants us to finish strong. It means not going back to the old life. Not drifting. Um, not getting off course. Not quitting part of the way through. Uh, not falling behind. Again, we are in the last quarter of this. Paul actually tells us there's a lot of people that have all kinds of interpretations of the end times. We are in the age of the church. We are in the age of what the New Testament calls the age of the Gentiles, where the message has gone out to the entire world. We are actually, Paul says, in the end times. We are in the last quarter. We can perceive what's going on in the world, but it's not time to give up. Like I said last week, it is time for the full court press. We, want, we see the finish line, it's in view. People are falling out. We have to press on. In fact, call in some Gatorade. I need, give me some Gatorade, Lord. I need some water. I need some refreshment. Help me finish the race. We're in the last lap. In church, we can't give up. And here it is. I was sharing this at the rescue this week. To step up our game. 
And somebody said, what do you mean by stepping up the game? And I was like, great question. What does that mean to step up your game as a Christian? It may mean that you've gone to church for years. You've kind of believed in this Jesus thing. You pray before a meal from time to time. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food kind of a thing. But now stepping up the game is I'm digging in and I'm praying. I am praying prayers that break through. I am praying prayers for loved ones. I'm actually spending time with God. I'm learning prayers, the Lord's Prayer, the 23rd Psalm, prayers throughout the Bible. I'm teaching those prayers to my kids. We're praying together as a family. In fact, we're not just praying before a meal. We're praying for needs in the church. Not just me, our whole family together. That is stepping up the game. I used to read maybe my daily verse that I get. You know how people get daily horoscope. By the way, if you're a Christian and you have daily horoscope coming through Facebook, you might be a pagan. Um, Daily scripture reading. Study the word. Read it. Read long passages. You know what I have to do in this class that one of the most intense classes I've ever taken is one that I'm in right now, inductive Bible study. And he says, I want you to read through the entire book of Luke in one sitting. I've, I've never done that except maybe Philemon. It's like a tw- one little uh, 20 verses or something. Um, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke is 24 chapters. Okay, read through it. Kind of broken up a little bit. I tr- strived for one sitting. And then the next week, now read through Luke again two more times, two to three times in one sitting. Wow. But I'm going to tell you what. If you spend some time in God's Word like that, you're going to see some stuff you never saw before. There will be a breakthrough. You will hear from heaven. That is stepping up the game. Um, my family, as we grew up, my parents, when the offering plate came around, they threw a couple dollars in there. They were never committed financially when we were young to tithing and giving sacrificially. Throwing a few dollars in there from time to time, great. I'm, we're thankful. Um, offering. Stepping up the game is sacrificially giving and ordering your finances to help fund the mission. That is stepping up the game. I want to share something with you um, that I share with the board. If you're on the board, if you've been in staff, you've seen this reoccur. This is what I share over and over again. Because we can drift, we can slow down in our walk, but intensify your prayer life. Get serious. Call out to God with confidence. That you believe in Him, that we have a faith. What we were talking about faith. I have assurance in this God. I have conviction. The second thing, uh, to increase your faith. Trust in God to do mighty things in your life. Increase your giving, the things we've been talking about. Initiate opportunities for connections for the lost. Tell people about Jesus. Uh, Evangelize. Win people to Jesus. Invite them to church. Be intentional in your walk. And finally, I have here... Seek holiness of heart and life. That we seek these things regularly on a regular basis. Now again, here at the end, I'm going to ask Jay to come as we prepare to close. Time is getting away quickly. Um, Paul says here, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. Now, he says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of what a drink offering is. Maybe a handful of people. You've always heard the sacrificial lamb. There was a drink offering in the book of Leviticus. And this is what would happen. They had a fire burning on the altar. 
And they would bring a cup of drink and they would throw it on the altar. And what happens when you throw liquid on a fire? It goes up in smoke and steam. Paul says, I'm willing to give up my life for this race. I'm giving it, I, I'm going up in smoke. My time has come. I have finished the course. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. He says, he's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, um, to all those who love is appearing. The last thing I want to share here is the Greek Olympics. We talked about the games last week. There was a race they had, and it wasn't the first person who got to the finish line that won the race. And these Olympics, and we still celebrate it like this today, it was the one who made it to the end with the torch still lit. And for us as Christians, for us to finish strong, for us to finish the race of faith, to keep the faith, we have to keep the torch lit, church. So if you would, we're going to open the altars. If you want to come and pray and just say, Lord, help me finish the race. Help me remain strong. Help me to fight the good fight. Um, come and pray with us. You can stand. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. We can...